welcome everybody. Um, welcome to this third uh, edition of um, Conversations About Cinema, Thought and Action. Um, we're really delighted to be able to continue this partnership with the UAE Philosophy Department um, and extend it with um, MUBI, the online... And politics, sorry. <laughs> and politics, and politics, <laughs> the two Ps, sorry. Um, um, and extend the partnership with um, MUBI, the online um, curated um, platform, um, to be able to continue the conversation about film. So we've, we've um, programmed uh, a short season of films on MUBI that are all um, themed around uh, colonialism, and we are um, able to continue this sort of seminar discussion function um, courtesy of Zoom and Watershed's account. Um, it's not quite like being in Watershed Cinema, but um, we will hopefully get back there um, sometime soon. Um, just to say that if people could, um, it's really interesting to know where um, the audience has come from. So if you want to put in the chat um, where you're watching this um, from, that would be um, really interesting for us. Um, we have um, two more uh, coming up in April. There's a bit of a break and then there's two coming up in, um, in April. So um, do watch those films on MUBI um, and then um, come along to the conversations. But it's just for me now to um, hand over to Miguel Prado, who's an assistant associate lecturer um, in the philosophy and politics department at UAE. And he's going to be hosting this um, discussion tonight on Bertrand uh, Bonello's Zombie Child. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Mark. Yes, thank you all of you for being here. Uh, with us this evening to discuss this, uh, I think, very interesting film. Um, yeah, I would like to thank our speakers uh, tonight that are going to help us dissecting this, this film that it's, uh, yeah, it's presenting a lot of very interesting questions. So as usual, we have Hugh Turner, which is a UV philosophy student that with his group uh, in the module Film and Philosophy, they are working, they have been working on this, on this film. And then we have as well Dominic Lash uh, from Bristol, that uh, he's a scholar uh, working on different fields, film, but as well music. He just published the cinema of disorientation in which he discusses um, among others films by David Lynch, Leos Carax, Pedro Costa, Jean-Luc Godard, and was uh, published by Edinburgh University Press. His uh, most recent article was published in the journal Film and Philosophy and discusses the philosopher Stanley Cavell work in relation to Paul Thomas Anderson, Phantom Thread. As well, we have the pleasure of having Mar uh, Blanca Martinez-Bomez, a media scholar, co-founder of the collective Ontologías Feministas and the Journal of Digital Anthropology Visual 404. She's as well member of the collective El Bloque, that works on the reformulation of audiovisual formats in relation to the online milieu. 
So yeah, we are going to talk about zombie child, which I think is it's very interesting. It's part of this current new wave of IT and influence zombie films, like Mati Diop last film, Atlantics, which is somehow different from this, but as well addresses politics in this very raw sense in terms of power and the consequences of exercising it over the other. Um, I think it's really interesting to examine these racial dynamics that are layered into the zombie mythos. And actually they are present from the very beginning since Romero's Night of the Living Dead. But contemporary horror films are reviving this sort of zombies African roots to offer modern day reflections on slavery, migration, post-colonialism, etc. Like this idea that the real horror is colonialism itself. And colonialism and post-colonialism, you know, is the, the main theme that we are covering with this streamings um, well with these discussions actually because you know that you can watch with movie whenever you want the films that we are discussing and yeah I think this is uh, is a film that can be problematized uh, because sometimes yeah the these stories of Haiti and voodoo told from the perspective of an outsider can be worrisome since sometimes, this delve in this magical Negro trope, like, yeah, like we see in this film. But yeah, it's better if we, yeah, give the chance to Huge, maybe, to present their thoughts on this film. And then after uh, the speakers, we are waiting for your comments and points to discussion. You can put this in the chat or participate later. And if you want to address a particular speaker, please refer to his or her uh, contribution. And I will try to share this, yeah, to the best of my abilities. Thank you. And I give the word to Hugh. Thank you. Yeah, before I begin on, very quickly like to thank the UE philosophy and politics department, particularly Miguel and Francesco and the watershed for facilitating this event and for the continuation of this discourse really, in spite of the limitations that this new digital reality that we've had to face because of the coronavirus pandemic that's presented for us. So thank you. Uh, and I'd also like to shout out and thank the rest of my group, Connie, Annalena, Alex and Mitchell for helping me get to this point. So this is truly a team effort, so thank you guys. But anyway, to Zombie Child. Now I think we're no strangers to the tropes and aesthetics of the horror genre by this point. I think we perhaps find a strange sense of morbid comfort or perhaps even catharsis within works that are designed to shock and unsettle us. That which we consider to transcend our laws of science and understanding we, we know as the supernatural. 
yeah, paradoxically from media and the resultant reductionism that it embodies has become as natural to us as almost breathing. In this sense, in its execution, Zombie Child is a film that brilliantly deconstructs many dimensions of our attitudes as Western consumers and this fortress of sectarian familiarity that we hide behind. And to truly understand Zombie Child is to recognize the brutality of historic European imperialism and colonialism, and particularly the deeply complex dynamic between Haiti and France. Now, to be colonized and enslaved is to be ransacked and stripped of one's identity, purpose, and of freedom. To have the ideals of another violently imprinted onto one's psyche. And even in emancipation, the scars of this savage dehumanization remain. Yeah, the human spirit persists, and thus new cultures and customs arise from the diaspora, that of Haiti being a prime example. So considering this, I'd say that Zombie Child acts as a celebration of Haitian culture and the fortitude and beauty of African diasporic religion. I think France Fanon's The Wretched of the Earth is suitably applicable here um, in the sense that this film acts as a piece of combat literature in the sense that it uses the language of the oppressor as a weapon of artistic defiance and a statement of newfound identity in the face of adversity. The inherent dehumanization of the colonized within colonialism results in a sentiment of almost tribalism within the society of the oppressor. And this is something that has permeated throughout Western media and culture. This sort of notion of us and them othering portrays the colonized as separate entities, furthering this problematic narrative of civilization versus barbarism. African diasporic religion, particularly voodoo, has fallen victim to this narrative and has thus become reduced to a recurring trope of the horror genre. This traditional perception and depiction of voodoo within Western film is one of fetishization, of cultural appropriation and a deep level of misrepresentation. I think this is perhaps most apparently demonstrated in the commentary that Zombie Child tries to prevent through a central character, Melissa, and her relationship with the other girls of the group, who seemingly perceive Melissa as an almost ethereal being of supernatural and superstitious essence. Now, most in Europe, so us, will only know concepts such as voodoo or of the zombie through the lens of the media that we consume, and we allow it to form the entire basis of our understanding of this culture and its customs. So perhaps this perpetuated Eurocentric narrative of othering towards the rest of the world is presented as a, as a defense mechanism of ignorance or as a hollow justification for the heinous nature of colonialism and slavery. This ruinous organism of Eurocentric hegemony does not see the people that it colonizes as people in equal standing to their own, but as an alien species so far removed from the vacant uniformity of Western ideals that they can present colonialism as almost a necessity.
his entire dynamic is exhibited throughout the many constituent elements of Zombie Child, particularly within the visceral contrast in form and comprehension between the film's two central locales, where scenes taking place in France have very flat lighting, very neutral colour palettes and a more grounded approach to its architecture. The cinematography of scenes in Haiti are much different. It, there's, there's more of an emphasis on discordancy and this pursuit of formalism, which creates this atmosphere of almost abstract otherworldliness, which in and of itself is a perfect diegetic commentary on the Western perceptions of the African diaspora. So to touch upon this notion of the sort of vacant uniformity of Western ideals I briefly mentioned, I think Zombie Child also highlights another dimension of post-colonialist thought and commentary. Colonialism is an aggressive and encroaching act of coercion. Some of its most prevalent scars lie in the realms of the socio-economic and the socio-political. The hierarchies, social structures, and even the languages that the colonizers forcibly imprinted upon the colonized are all, in their essence, as Eurocentric ideals. Even the concepts of traditional nation-states and the arbitrary divisions created by borders are in of themselves the epitome of European-like ideals. And thus, from this develops this salient crisis of personal and societal identity that colonialism creates. How does one find purpose and temperament when one's very existence is defined and controlled by the vectors of foreign imperialism and hegemony? I mean, philosophies such as anarchism and existentialism have attempted to offer a solution to this crisis through their rejection and abolition of states and instead for the accentuation of deriving meaning and identity from within the community and from within the self. So to sum up, to examine Zombie Child as a film, as, as an artwork, as a statement, is to challenge the ingrained established order. As I mentioned at the start of the speech, this film should be a scene as a celebration of the pursuit of identity and freedom within the African diaspora and of the triumph of the human spirit to strive and flourish even in times of harrowing adversity. So in this contemporary age of rampant alienation, Zombie Child is an act of resistance. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, okay, great. So we can move on now to Blanca. Well, thanks a lot for an invitation to this lecture. Um, suicide because Bonello is uh, one of my favorite directors. Also, the truth is that Zombie Child was barely a week on the billboard here in Spain. And beyond festival like San Sebastian or Seville, um, he's a director there for a cinema that does not reach uh, our country. A few days ago, I listened to Bonello himself comment on how this film, and in general with the passage of time, his cinema become younger and younger, approaching other audience, um, and perhaps becoming more accessible. I mean, I'm sorry to disagree with him. 
like Zombital seems to me like more complex and inaccessible than, for example, Nocturama. In Zombital, we find thoughts about the end of history or the possibility of decolonizing the imagination, if not ours, perhaps the one of future generations. Um, the film begins with a sequence where adolescents are uh, summoned through the crunching of Hans cooking, the sound of grass materials, visitors staring, and a fish that will end the life of the first character that appears in action of the same color as yellow as the leaves of sugar that indicates the possibility of its return to life. It is through sound and color in a kind of plastic and material appreciation where Bonello established the frequency of representation of the tropical, more in sound than the speech. Uh, in sound, uh, in this, is this like the aesthetic motif that also the soundtrack repeats again and again and continues to interrupt the images. The sound announces the underground or telluric frequency of the film, the sound of zombies. Um, it's interesting uh, that Bonello used uh, this sound because in Latin American uh, cinema, we we call it like uh, this phalangeal percussion, like the sound of people craving uh, uh, the, for garbage, screaming uh, for food, working the fields. This is the, the sound that, that we hear a lot in other cinema, but not in European cinema. Uh, the zombies could also be characterized as gods in non-Western traditions for having a complete status and several lives. Like following the filmmaker Wira Satekul, whose films deal with uh, the possibility of the multiplicity of lives, cinema has the ability to engender a mixed memory between the audience and the filmmakers, past synthetic lives that creates other worlds and possibilities to the future. However, this zombie will continue talking about us presented as a distant relative of terms like haunted, obviously. If we think of haunted as the possibility of past or future virtualities that can't be, um, Bonello understands the zombie as a state of life in limbo with no future possibilities. The zombie is everything without being able to be, is subtracted flesh, water, commensalism, and community. The film talks about the possibility of the encounters uh, of the ghosts as past virtualities that have not been updated and cannot speak unless we invoke them. It is not a coincidence that through the film, uh, the appearance of the zombie causes only the collapse of the image, not the speech or the script. Uh, we saw it in the change of colors in the field and in the chromatic range, but also in the change of format when the girls look for images about zombies in their iPhones. But how this become uh, enmarañado or entangled? Like um, uh, the spells of colonialists expressed in this story of zombification via voodoo and the micro society of uh, elite, elite female and young students. Bonello creates a folding effect of time and space following these haunted aesthetics or the political ontology. Esta estética del hechizado, while the French Talent's story um, responds to a chronological timeline, the Italian story jumps in time. The zombies are still slowly, um, not now that everything is going faster, says one of the students' friends of our protagonist. This is the human experience discourse, but rising in the complexity of the zombie time. 
um, that's why we try like that professor at the beginning of the film to fall and make human history discontinuous to break history into pieces to turn it up to chop and screw you uh, like Isabel Stenger's uh, and Fisher himself state um, the end of the belief in progress has come to dismantle our imagination it's possible that we can't enunciate history again without uh, opening ourselves to this uh, haunted or this uh, zombification Bonello uses history as a, as a horror tale that reminds a life uh, in our moment. Uh, colonialism and its extractive force have canceled a, a series of features and wrapped them in a piece of silk as thin as mist. The features even of those descendant uh, with medals of legends of honor. And this silk that allows to glimpse the humanity is running towards ghosts, flesh, and zombies and magical thoughts. Zombie Childs leave us face to face to a material fall between the colonized and its colonizer. The film states different endings, like the ending of love, the ending of the adolescence, the ending of slavery. And it wonders what happens in that ending. Uh, this ending uh, has nothing to do with uh, the ending of the, uh, I mean, in the, the illustration, because now that we have, uh, that, that the world is close to the death, how many more times our souls can travel? How many times our ghosts uh, could be incarnate or our flesh resurrected in zombies? Um, These aesthetics of the bewitch can also be observed in the sequence uh, of invocation when Fanny, Cal, her beloved Pablo, um, because the voodoo uh, or the, the spell can embrace all uh, our ghosts, the ghosts of love, uh, and the zombie grandfather, no? because in the end, all our ghosts uh, know each other and could drink wrong whenever together. Uh, in this other temporary regime, the film asks how can we today, lacking of imagination and even future, to dream and, love and live with the outside again, or how to decolonize our dreams and our affections. Um, in the scene that uh, the brief confession where Melissa uh, tells her sisterhood the story of her family, she dares to dream of a reality which a multiplicity of humans, non-humans, even zombie childs become together. This is another lovely concept of the film. A zombie feel that isn't about becoming zombie, but becoming with the zombies. Uh, there's no zone between zombie life and human life because everything is in relationship or possibility, visibility and encounter on the film. The zombie or zombification as defined by the protagonist to this phenomenon has everything in common uh, with, with the term handed in meaning that is visiting or being in contact with. Maybe that's why Bonello chose a horror story to talk about politics because in horror films reminds the possibility where all the actors became on stage. Horror films are the, mass, the most political uh, films. Zombies are ghosts, or ghosts take part in our political scenarios. Again, like Isabel Stinger says, and points, the political arena is populated by the shadows that don't have, cannot have, or does not have a, a political voice. If capitalism tries to impose itself as the only realism, canceling any future that isn't cannibal of itself, the act of insisting on, on cultivating and establishing relationships, relationships with the dead, the ghosts, and the zombies 
um, that is with the past or future virtualities that will not have be is in the, in the end an act of resistance. As we see in Malice Imagination, to beat and swallow half of the face of her sorority friend. The film is also a, a horror story that ends with a, a gothic thought. Uh, in the last frame, Melissa walks her way in, dark, in darkness, dressed in white, and approaches the camera until we can focus uh, our eyes in her Afro hair, shown for the first time in the film. Hair that could be full of spirits, uh, uh, like, in the, like in some indigenous population, but also focusing his head or mind, symbol of reason of the Western po uh, population. In the end, we can consider that Zombie Child is all about zombies, zombies of the colonial past, but also uh, teaching zombies, love, loving zombies, born zombies, zombies who walk, study, dance, sing, and dream in percussive and rather in shiny images. Zombies looking at zombies, ghosts looking ghosts. So maybe we need to ask ourselves if being a zombie is a, a condition or could be a perspective. Thanks. Thank you, thank you very much, Blanca. And now we have Dominic. Thanks, Miguel. Yeah, more thanks. Yes, it's um, uh, great to be here and be part of this. Yeah, thank you to Miguel for inviting me and thanks to Mark and the Watershed and Mubi um, and Hugh and Blanca for your great thoughts. Um, what, what I thought I'd do is I just have three kind of questions about the film really things that things that I'm not sure about still or I don't think I quite understand um which I just thought I would offer and then maybe you can help me understand them or you know or maybe maybe we can ignore them but I'll 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 sort of put them forth anyway so the first one is um to do with the relationship between different kinds of zombies in the film because if we think about um Obviously, this is not a Hollywood film, but if we think about, you know, Hollywood traditions, and I suppose kind of Western traditions of filmmaking more generally, sort of, we could say that crudely there are two kinds of zombies. I mean, this is a an oversimplification, but to give them to give them names, which are also not slight slightly distorting, but we could we could talk about the sleepwalking type zombie and the flesh eating type of zombie, right? Um, and we're all probably more familiar with flesh-eating zombies. That's that's probably what we think of when we... It's probably what immediately springs to mind if you say the word zombie. Um, but of course, in film history, they only really go back to, to the late 60s, right? Um, you know, George Romero's uh, Night of the Living Dead, 1968. That's the first film that really has zombies in the way that we now expect to see zombies if you say to someone, you know, I'm off to see a zombie movie. But zombie films go back a lot further. I mean, I think it's often what's often cited as the first, um, uh, although as with these historical things, probably someone could find another example, but often cited as the first zombie film is White Zombie, 1932 by Victor Halperin, which is very much a sleepwalking type zombie. I mean, it's, it's set on a kind of fake sort of Haiti and it's obviously in many ways high, highly, highly you know, inaccurate but it has much more to do with Haitian religion in a sort of Hollywood Hollywood version, you know, than it does the kind of zombies we're more familiar with now. Um, yeah, it's got Bela Lugosi as a kind of sort, sort of sub sort of Dracula sort of zombie master. I'm not sure it's a 
terrific film. It does have good. It has it has a very interesting sequence of the zombies at work or walking in a circle, pouring things into sort of um, kind of threshing blades, almost like a propeller, which other zombies are 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 pushing around, and one of them falls in and gets killed. So yeah, it has some interesting images. Um, yeah, and then in the 1940s, um, I think 43, um, uh, uh, Jacques Tourneur's film, I Walked With a Zombie, which if probably a, a lot of people have seen it, but if you haven't seen it, it's a completely extraordinary film. Uh, so I very much recommend it. And that must be in the DNA of this film somewhere. And again, it's on a, it's, it's not called Haiti, but it's, it's got, it's much more, it's, it's explicitly deals with, with a again a sort of Hollywoodized version of voodoo, but perhaps one more more sympathetic to something with connections to real voodoo. Um, right. So and clearly, clearly, this film seems to be more in that tradition, right? It's again trying to sort of pay some respect, get some sort of details right about Haitian religion. So that's the the sleepwalking zombie, but the flesh eating zombie is very much there i mean as blank has said right there's i mean the girls when they try and find out about zombies they watch this movie called called voodoo possession which i confess to not having seen uh it's directed by Vol uh walter boholz from 2014 it has nine percent on rotten tomatoes but that's not always you know um sometimes sometimes that that's a recommendation but anyway they and they talk again as blanca said again they talk about oh and zombies now run you know in movies whereas they used to be very slow and blah, blah. so their reference points for zombies are are flesh-eating zombies whereas where whereas melissa's type of zombie is the as it were real zombie right you know the one with a connection to historical details but in particularly, there's that moment when, in what turns out to be some sort of dream or fantasy, she takes a bite out of the face of of the girl, who also perhaps she's attracted to. There's some, yeah. You know, there's the scene when they stare at each other, and then and then the other girl spits the food out of her mouth. So that's yeah, sort of kind of focusing on that particular moment. I think I'm still I'm really interested, but I'm not sure I'm quite clear. I think there's probably a lot more to say. How do these two types of zombies relate in the film? What's the film, you know, doing with them? My second sort of thought or uh, question is to do with the um, well, sort of starts around the, uh, the the first thing we see of France in the film, which is these scenes of of the girls in class, right? And we get again, as has been mentioned before. I mean, I think obviously what's not explicitly said in the film is clearly important. So it must be it must be important that you the first time we see the girls, they're having a history lesson. Uh, which, which is given by this guy who who really is a history a history uh, um, professor, right? I understand. So it's sort of um, that's kind of interesting, right? Like the actor, I think, is saying things that I think he probably actually believes. But anyway, that's a um, that's a side point. But he goes on about the French Revolution, and he never mentions the Haitian uh, Revolution, right? He never mentions the revolution in Haiti that was happening at, at, at the same time, and that that must be important that it's not said but we can't not think about it um, and in fact then later we find right when fanny goes to she asked to see when she goes to the aunt and she asked to see melissa's room and it says independence 1804 on, on the wall but again like nothing is said she just looks at it it's there um but more specifically the thing that particularly interested me um 
and perhaps this is me just going going down a rabbit hole, but is uh, after the history lesson we get a French literature lesson, right? And, and they talk they talk about um, they're being taught about realism in literature, right? And the distinction between narration and description, and talking about sort of sort of description in kind of nineteenth century realist fiction as being something which is sort of other than narrative, right? In excess of narrative, it doesn't move the story forward. You just sort of have, yeah, the example of like a building, you know, yeah, being described, I think. Um, and of course, this is this connects to all sorts of long, interesting histories. I mean, you know, particularly Lukash, right? The um, uh, Marxist philosopher and, 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 you know, literary theorist who wrote this famous essay, Narrate or Describe, where he very much comes down against um, description. Um, and yeah, he's interested in narration for kind of complicated reasons. But I suppose this is the kind of thing, maybe this is a weakness of kind of film studies people. We tend to get very excited when we think that films might be talking about themselves. You know, so I, 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 I just wonder why do we get that distinction between narration and description sort of brought up? Because of course it can't operate in films the way it operates in, in novels, because in novels, the language is all you have, whereas, of course, in, in, in a film, if someone is narrating verbally, there's also the sound and the, and, and the visual. There seem to be important narrations going on. It's important that Fanny's relationship with her boyfriend is, is only given through, partly through these, you know, her kind of fancy visions, but earlier and consistently through her sort of letters, which she's saying to him kind of in, in her head. And, of course, then, then there's crucially, you know, Melissa has those two crucial acts of sort of, in a narration where she, where she you know, delivers the, the zombie child poem, which gets her into the club, but also later when she tells the sort of real story. So, yeah, again, it's the specific moment. I'm, I'm, I sort of feel it's not if if that's just an example of a lesson because okay, let's just see them in another lesson, and it could have been a maths lesson. Perhaps that's true, but I feel maybe there's something else going on. Maybe the question of the way the film is telling stories is sort of highlighted by including that. Um, discussion of narration and uh, you know description. It's an interesting question if films can if, if films can describe anyway. Is that a thing? It's possible for a film to do, or can films just show anyway? So that's another thing I feel I don't quite get, um, but I think it's interesting. And then the final thing is just really to wonder whether anyone. Well, one of the things I respond I like so much about this film is for the first maybe two thirds of its of its length is is how how long it keeps these two strands in parallel right it keeps the the you know haiti in the early 60s and contemporary france and keeps asking you to ask yourself what are these two things has got to do with one another you know right i think it's constantly because it takes such a long time until we're given even an answer sort of you know within the story world um but I wonder if it, I find myself more slightly disappointed by the end compared to the beginning. I sort of find the answer is quite neat. And then we get, and of course, it's, it's fascinating that it's based on, on a true story, you know, about Clavius Narcisse. But if we follow him, his story, that does that take us out, out of the film? I, I don't know. Of course, there are other films that have been made. There's, all, there's also Wes Craven's The Serpent and the Rainbow, which is based on the story of the same guy, which is quite a different uh kind of take on all these things um 
Although, it, yeah, it doesn't really try and do the colonial thing. I, I think what, what the Wes Craven film, that's 19, 1988, what that does is it puts it right at the end of the um, Duvalier, uh, um, you know, dictatorship. And so it has the, the dictatorship falling, but it kind of makes the bad guy a voodoo priest. So I think it, it, it clearly it didn't mean to do this, but it. Uh, I think the Wes Craven film ends up kind of making some sort of parallels between voodoo and authoritarian government which i'm not quite sure it means to do so yeah it's by no means as subtle and interesting a film as 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 this film but it is based on those same stories the same story of this real historical guy and you know the these claims about the puffer fish um you know venom which is why we have a puffer fish at the beginning of this film that that was used to sort of turn people into zombies although from what i understand that seems to be scientifically thought of to not really hold water now anyway but all, all, all those things are fascinating but I find by following them up, I find it hard to to come back to the film. You know, I find okay, the film made me think about some interesting things, but then it takes me away from it. So, yeah, that's my third question, really. Kind of, I think what the the film does really brilliantly is is ask us to keep asking ourselves how are these things related. But I wonder if other people think that the answer that we get is not quite as successfully achieved. But you know, I think that's my feeling. But other people may disagree but i'd be interested to know what other people think so yeah those are the thoughts i've had thank you very much Don. Uh, so we welcome your your questions and your comments you can put them on the chat or if you want to talk i guess i can allow allow you if i know how to do this allow you to jump in in the conversation but yes uh, please feel free we have from uh, someone that has no it's like anonymous spectator a central a central theme of the film seems to be education yes indeed the contrast between the naive voodoo culture and french nationalistic culture is startling also the way in which melissa is welcomed in the school seems to reflect this clash She's the weird one. At the same time, this weirdness seems irresistible to the Western viewer, i.g. Fanny reaching out Melissa's aunt. Any comments by the speakers on this particular theme? So anyone wants to jump in and address this? I can just say quickly. If I think that's, I think that's a great question. I think that's a really good point. I think that helped me, yeah, approach some of the the questions I was raising. The only thing that has just um, occurred to me immediately is that there is also there's some kind of othering of the French as well as of the Haitians. I think. I mean, particularly because this school is so weird and their extremely weird sort of curtsy thing that they do when the when the important woman is there and, and step lean back. And that's a real thing, apparently. I mean, that, that, that's a thing that, you know, this school really, really does exist and they do this. But yeah, I don't know. Just to say that the film doesn't put all the strangeness on the... It's not all about the, the French discovering the strangeness of the Haitians, you know, to them, right? It goes the other way. Um, there is an additional question in the other chat that has uh, some sort of link with this. Victoria Adams is saying, I wasn't sure 
what to make uh, of the thread with Melissa's aunt and was interested to know what you thought of its conclusion. I must say that I was thinking this in this in terms of this magical Negro trope, no, a mystical sort of black character that has unexpected, unexplained uh, psychic or magical powers, and for some reason that we do not understand, wants to use and help random entitled white person to that they hardly know to conquer any sort of uh, yeah secret uh, interest or desire it's like uh, th this is a trope i mean in yeah. in in 20th century film so um, i think it, it's interesting i don't know if blanca or huge mm. And also like the next the next stage like is like a oh shit happens no like another weird uh, trouble appears and um, one spirit that that happened to be like oh you summon for love and you you receive another thing no it's uh, yeah. and that's why uh, I think like uh, of zombie of zombie or or this spirit. Uh, in terms in terms of virtuality, no, and affections and the importance that that remains like in in their in their environment and on their lives. Um, but also, I think like uh, uh, I agree uh, that Bonello is counting like two different films at all, uh, and did this is a good example of one. I mean, um, at the beginning, like you can see, like this kind of a uh, post-narrative uh, cinema that has must to be like with sound, um, not too much with the speak, like with uh, uh, the colors, and and has something to be also with uh, the last films of Pedro Costa, like Calvario Dinero, that uh, tells like the story of a Cabo Verdiano and. And also like the Portuguese colonialists, and and then go back to this story of young girls, and it's kind of uh, frustrating. I mean, I I I only want to be like the Italian part. I don't want to see like the the school part of the girls for a little bit. But it's interesting because as well, uh, Dominic mentioned the way in which it tells us two stories, and there is this inversion. Mm -hmm. in Clyburus story because in 62 this part plays plays like an anti-zombie movie and then the boarding school uh, posh kids this is like super zombie film mm -hmm. yep. uh, so I don't know about Marx's credentials of Bonello but when I am watching the part in IT I am remembering this like a famous sort of like Marx uh, talking about capitalist dead labor, which vampire-like lives only by sucking living labor, etc. It's this trope, like very materialistic, realist trope of this this guy is is not a zombie. It's like well, yeah, under the influence of some sort of thing, but it's all obviously a, a slave. And the other thing has all the tropes of the like yeah the genre. And it's problematic for me. Well, it's not problematic. I really love the film. 
but I thought about, okay, we had these examples of Maja Dern or Jan Rouge with Mattress Foods, but it's always like this sort of entitled white scholar from Europe trying to portray this, this sort of world. And yeah, I thought about this inversion, but I don't want to uh, yeah, occupy the question. I think I'd agree just that it fits in, maybe this fits into my slight sort of disappointment with some aspects of the later part that your um, mention of the sort of magical Negro sort of trope, Miguel. Also the, the fact that it's meant to be somehow particularly disturbing or strange or exciting or thrilling or frightening when it's Fanny who become possessed. That's also, I think, potentially problematic, right? It's when this happens to a white girl, then it gets really weird. That's, um, I'm not I'm not completely comfortable with, with that. I'm not also sure that that aspect is particularly successful in sort of performance terms. Um, you know, it feels like a trope that, it's sort of, I feel like maybe the film is asking us to see that it's doing some something with this because it's such a familiar trope, but I'm not quite sure I can see what it is, what it is sort of doing with it that's more interesting than just kind of using a fairly over-familiar. Yeah, again, like you, I really like the film, so I don't want to sort of harp on the, on the negative things, but as a kind of climax, seems to be problematic. Um, well, but this anticlimactic stuff, it's going on as well with the music. We have another hmm. member of the audience here that is asking, any thoughts on the film score? And I think all of you are invested in music, the three speakers. I think it's beautiful and weird, traditional chants, electronic music and contemporary hip hop. So any thoughts on this? I mean, I guess there's... As a genre, like especially something like hip hop or electronic music, in terms of their, I guess the origins of those, like like focusing on hip hop for example, the origins and the production of it as a genre is almost reflective of something like colonialism or yeah, in in, in the sense that as a, as a genre, I mean I know hip hop has like experienced a lot of criticism perhaps from traditional music theorists who proclaim that it's not music because it doesn't have melody or and so on um but uh, like the traditional music theory that we know that is, is so common within music is it is is eurocentric you know where it comes from like traditional even something like 12 tone equal temperament as a system is European in terms of its musicality and I think hip-hop in terms of the sort of the like the esotericism that it tries to create in terms of how it's like even on a physical level like the the use of sampling which again is another controversial aspect of its production the sort of the anti-establishment angle of it that it's it's i think there's elements of like class and i mean obviously like hip-hop has origins within the Afri african-american community within america which is a diaspora which stems from colonialism and slavery and i think yeah the use of this within zombie child is a really 
great sonic reflection of the core themes. And that's true. I think the film is also quite interestingly specific with the hip hop, right? There's the stuff about her. Mm. I can't remember his name, but there's the rapper that 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 Melissa is a bit embarrassed about liking, who I looked up, and he's he's kind of Belgian Congolese. I can't remember his name. It's like a short. Um, I don't know his music, but so that's so there's a thing about that, and her aunt says no, you know, you shouldn't be embarrassed. But then she gives a presentation on Rihanna, and she loves Rihanna, and it's important. There's there's some quite. I think it's a, yeah, a real strength that the, all those things that you've been saying here are totally true, but the film doesn't think hip hop is is, mm. is one thing. You know, the film knows that hip hop is all sorts of things. Mm. Um, and I think that's cool. Also, the sort of misogyny of the lyrics, which the girls all sing, but then how mm. much joy they get from that song, that's all quite interestingly complicated, I found. Um, I feel like. Uh... The, like uh, on the one hand, like the um, the soundtrack has uh, these two motives: uh, one for the zombie and one for the students. Like the the music that is related with the students is like a kind of hallelujah, like you <laughs> like you see, like um, and um, Bonello himself like composed the music, and he, and he said like um, hip hop what was like the the honest way to of approaching music of approaching um like the youngest no or the ages of these uh, students uh, and he simply put uh, the music that his daughter uh, listened because has the age of melissa mm. um and also in in his last movie in nocturama that is a kind of um uh vile uh, like some gun of 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 youngers uh, put a bomb uh, in in Paris, and and they hide like in a mall and put uh, all uh, all the way the the um, the center uh, hip hop at really really loud, and I think like it reflects that is the music that that French people listen more more than I. Yeah, and I think there is something interesting in the way in which we have this footage from IT and the voodoo rights and how through subculture like urban music, hip hop, uh, tribalism is instantiated in this nocturnal gathering when the girls are watching the phone and so on. That's very beautiful because you see clearly that uh, the power of tribalism in contemporary society still is there, even though technologically mediated, mm. and it's like super nice. Although yeah, maybe this is for English, it's just like the um, using Jerry and the pacemakers at, 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 at the end is is rather just it's you know you know the uh, you know you'll never walk alone is distracting for a. I was like, what's what he's talking about Liverpool? Why? What's no, this got to do with football? You know, of course it's not. It's just a song yeah. <laughs> for yeah. For an English person, it's quite hard to <laughs> not have that association. We have, we have a question here from Jonathan and another one from Liz. Um, Jonathan asks, at the level of plot, doesn't Melissa go out for partly, far, partly for protection after Melissa threatens her, I am going to eat you? And if so, I guess... Yes, she say. What does that signify in relation to colonial themes? And then another question I, I give you 
read this and you can jump in as you wish. Liz Rayleigh says, thanks for all your contributions. I would like to watch it again using your perspectives. One of the most striking things for me was the aunt's statement, I live with death and her talking to the death, the photos on the wall, her dead relatives and not just the zombies are, ah, sorry, her dead relatives and not just the zombies are more alive in the film than the relatives of the girls. Any thoughts? I guess this has to do with this sort of, yeah, phone conversation, if I recall. Hmm. That's a great point. And also you have that when, uh, when Melissa says, um, when she asks where Fanny is, you know, and the other, the, the blonde girl says, oh, it's not anyone in, she's at family funeral, which is obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's no one important, some old aunt, which, yeah, that's a big kind of contrast, isn't it, with the, with yeah. the way her, her aunt. When you have this thing years old, you care about ghosts, nor relatives, I mean, <laughs> it's mm. kind of normal. Also. But Melissa does, does care, right? Mm. I mean, that's... Um, mm. Yeah, this question, Jonathan is asking about what does it mean, this, this I am going to eat you mm. in relation to the colonial themes. I don't know. I don't know if yeah. there is a sort of literal uh, semiotic thing here. Yeah? I guess you could say that, obviously, colonialism is, a, it is almost an act of consumption in a way. It's almost like the... I mean, obviously, the reasons why the European empires colonized like parts of the peripheral world for obviously the abundance of rural resources that exist within Africa or South America or Asia. So you could potentially say there's a sort of an angle of like almost like a literal metaphor for mm, mm, mm. colonies being eaten yep. or consumed. Yes. That literal metaphor thought thing is something that has occurred to me about also even whether that applies to the the sort of real, uh, not quite sure how to put this, you know, uh, uh, the actual myths of zombies in Haiti, right? This sort of idea that, that if, if you were made into a zombie, you, you're made to work at night yeah. under sort of like that. It's, it seems the actual myth is some sort of literalization of colonial relationships, in, even though it, it's not. Yeah, it's all you know Haitian people who make each other into zombies, but that's at play there. Surely, it's quite interesting. The idea well, in, in Mad yeah. Masters of Jean Rouge, you can see that they are they are playing yes. playing in terms of drama th this particular relationship. I mean, this yeah. is a short film that I really really recommend yeah, yeah. if you are interested in this. Yeah, I mean that's a different part of the world, but it's a similar procedure, isn't it? Yeah, it's in Africa, yeah. but but it's a very similar. Mm. Well, it's it's amazing, a really mm. fantastic document of visual yeah. anthropology. I think it's really good to raise that 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 moment. It does have lots of these strange, fascinating moments that I'm going to eat you moment. Because of course, the girl who she does, even if it's a just a fantasy that she does take a bite out of later, is not is not Fanny. Um, I I didn't think that on the level of plot that she does go for protection. I didn't get that. I thought she does go simply to. She's not sure what she wants, either to, you know, get get rid of her boyfriend or or, or get back together with him. But I, but I definitely think that it's a striking moment that yeah, I don't it's kind of it calls out for more interpretation. 
but I'm not quite sure what to do with it yet. Any other final questions? Because we are a minute from our um, yeah schedule, minutes ahead. <laughs> I like the comment, Jerry, and the pacemaker is confusing but lovely. Yeah, that's that's great. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's it. That's a good a good description of the film overall, overall right? You know, confusing but loved it. I, yes, yes. <laughs> I felt kind of like that. Okay, so before we uh, say goodbye, I, I would like to remind you that our next installment is going to be the 15th of April. Um, we are going to discuss Apijemijeki, sorry if I am not pronouncing this correctly, Suwita, if you are here, you are free to correct me. And it's going to be great. Uh, I think we are going to have the, the lady, the director, as well as, uh, bear with me a moment, uh, because I can give you in advance, yeah, Sofia Lemos, a curator, a writer and researcher from Spain, Victoria Adams and Anna Anabaz, the director. So we'll be also uh, with us. So yeah, I would like to say thank you to Suita for preparing the next session. She will chair. Uh, yeah, the next installment. Thank you all of you for being here and huge Dominica and Blanca for accepting the invitation. Um, yeah, spending this evening with us. Thank you very much, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, guys. It was great.